This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode nine of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Riding Warehouse, Casual Products, and Smooth Stride Jeans. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Thoroughbred Makeover and New Vocations. We have a packed show for you tonight. Dr. Siemens from Cornerstone Equine Medical Services comes on to talk about the anxiety-inducing pre-purchase exam and what are true red flags and what are not when looking at X-Racehorses. Jen Reitz from the Retired Racehorse Project updates us on the planning for the event that's only five months away. Oh, my God. I know, right? And how you can be involved in the magic. We have our hashtag, my OTTB story winner, Amy Lent, who's going to come on and tell us about her mare's transformation from the racetrack to her second career. And of course, we have our new vocations winner circle, Adoptable Horse of the Week. Listen in. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills from Kalamazoo, Michigan. And you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Jamie, how are you? Are you surviving? I am. We've actually had a couple days of not raining here. So I was able to get baby Groot out and he has jumped now. Twice. Um, I'll post the second video. Uh, so he jumped once on a little cross rail and now we added a bounce to it. So he's jumped two in a row, my big baby. And we even got the second one up to two foot. So he's kind of a big deal. And if you were to screenshot, which I did and posted on retired (laughs) racehorse radio, you will see the fine, amazing form that a baby racehorse has going over his first jumps. I mean, impressive, right? Joy. I mean, I think he's ready to just take on roll. <laughs> oh, put it all in the jar. Land Rover, maybe yeah. even badminton. But you know what? I love his heart and that he's trying. You can see on his face where he's like, oh, I'm not sure about this, but I love you, mama. It's so oh, cute. Oh, God, <laughs> it was even uglier today. But bless his heart. He'll figure it out. You know, they just have to learn how to put their body where it's supposed to go. And, you know, a lot of times I'll be able to start them uh, on a line jumping. But since I have this new arena, I don't have the space to like free jump him because there's no walls around the arena. So he would like, you know, exit. So I'm having to just like do it old fashioned, just get on and see if we can get him to learn to, to jump something. But I have a, I have found a news story that I thought was pretty funny. Oh. Uh, and it's, uh, <laughs> it's a news story that they, uh, in Australia, this was on Kentucky equine research, KER.com. And they went to an Australian racetrack and studied more than 400 thoroughbreds in race training. Okay. Now, no surprise, more than half of those horses had ulcers and the percentage increased with length of time in training. More ulcers were common in horses that were not turned out, obviously, or were transported a lot. But also, they found more ulcers in horses housed in a barn where a radio was playing. However, not just anything. If the horses were listening to music, 
They had a much lower rate of ulcers than horses that listen to news talk and talk radio. Oh my what does that say? Please don't put our podcast on in your barn because we're giving your horses ulcers. Is that does that mean podcasts? Do you think? I mean, if they're talking news <laughs> broadcasts, oh let's let's just assume they didn't include podcasts. In I'd had to be like Hannity or something that was stressful, right? It wasn't like I mean, talking about <laughs> the only thing I listen to is podcasts <laughs> because news is stressful right now. Know, right? <laughs> so, okay. So here, we're going to go ahead and say that we will not give your horses ulcers that the news talk will. So we'll keep it light and we'll keep it fun. Yes. Um, they and did say... Horse- does get ulcers, please email our producer, Jen, at Jen at horseradionetwork.com. Yeah, she, you send all your t- complaints to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. She <laughs> loves getting all the complaints. Makes her so happy. They did go on to say that turning off the radio won't cure ulcers, but it does suggest that radio noise contributes to stress in some horses. So maybe, you know, wear your earbuds when you're listening to us. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Who knows? Well, maybe they're hearing about all our horses' struggles and first world problems, and those horses <laughs> are getting worried too. They're like, poor Groot. Oh my Is God. Is that what happens in America? Those poor horses. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get to our first guest, we do want to hear from our favorite people over at Kentucky Performance Products. She had waited all her life for this moment, dreaming about it since she was 10 years old. The trailer ramp touched the ground. He whinnied as she backed him out, swinging his head around to get a good look at his new home. His coat gleamed in the sun. Her love had arrived. She was breathless. He was beautiful. She could hardly wait to tack him up and start off on what she was sure would be the best times of her life. This love story is brought to you by Contribute, providing essential omega-3 fatty acids that help maintain low inflammation levels throughout your horse's body. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. One of my favorite guests on our Horses in the Morning show is a veterinarian. His name is Dr. Madison Siemens, and he is cornerstoneequinevet.com. Dr. Siemens is not only a qualified vet, he's also an author, and his book is called Never Trust a Sneaky Pony and Other Things They Didn't Teach Me in Vet School. He has great expertise, storytelling abilities, and I wanted to have him on to talk to us a little bit about pre-purchase exams. Hello, Dr. Siemens. Hey, Jamie, thanks so much for calling. I'm so happy to have you on and introduce you to potentially a new audience who maybe hasn't heard you on Horses in the Morning. You're a regular veterinary guest there. But I thought we could talk a little bit about something that weighs on the -the off-the-track thoroughbred purchaser, and that is, number one, pre-purchase or no pre-purchase, and two, what to look for in a pre-purchase. So when you're going to look at a horse that's coming off the track that is going to go to a second career, Joy's dog is barking, what are some of the things that we should be thinking about? Well, all, all those are good questions. And I think I think the first thing you need to consider is whether or not you should even do a purchase exam. A lot of these horses are are coming are being repurposed either, either cheap or free. And uh, so I think one of the one of the big problems we can get into is thinking because he's 
free, you know, this shouldn't be a big deal. We'll just go down the road and see what we got. The problem with that is I have seen a number of these off-the-track thoroughbreds that had major problems. And so uh, now, you, now you've got, got into this thing. You've got something that maybe you cannot manage. You might not be able to ride this horse, and then uh, are you going to sell him? What are you going to do with him? Yeah. So the, for, for me, the, the free horse or the cheap horse is the horse that you most need a pre-purchase exam on. Mm-hmm. And because you just wind up with this thing, you're just going to feed him forever or whatever, because some, some of these things we just don't manage very well. So I, I would argue that that's probably the best thing to do is just get an experienced equine veterinarian to to do a thorough workup. And the first thing that I look at is if the horse is lame today, this is a real problem. And so we, for us, for most of us nowadays, the the purchase evaluation is not a pass or fail entity. Uh, the question that I've, I'm always asked is, would I buy the horse? And the answer is always no, because i got a backyard full of horses, and I don't want another horse. <laughs> would you horse? buy it? That's what people ask you. Would you buy it? <laughs> no, I tell them no. <laughs> not today, <laughs> not now, not ever, you know. No, I, I'm being a little silly that way, but you got to understand that this what you're asking me to do is look into this crystal ball. You're asking me to, to, to look at this this exam that's going to take me about, oh, 45 or 50 minutes and tell you what this horse is going to be doing eight or 10 years down the road. Well, nobody can do that. So it can't, for most of us, it can't be a pass or fail type of an evaluation. What it can be is these are the problems that the horse has. These are problems that we can manage pretty well. These are problems that we don't manage very well. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's how it gets, to, that's how you have to sort of divide it up. And so the first thing I look at is, is the horse lame today? If he's lame today, then the chances of him remaining serviceably sound for the foreseeable future are just about zero. Now, it's possible he has something really minor, but, I mean, do you want to take a chance? And so, again, I never, I never tell people, buy this horse, don't buy this horse. But if we're starting out with the lameness of do you, how, far, how much further do you want to go on this? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I saw a horse the other day that uh, there was free horse. Really nice looking horse, well bred. He's been to the track, but he never raced. And uh, she got him free. She's gonna gonna make a you know a CT horse out of him, and he's a nice horse, but he's a little stiff. He's a little stiff. So anyway, X-rayed him. He doesn't have a chip fracture in his knee. He's got a chunk of the end of, his, of the, the end of his radius knocked off. Oh my I mean, this isn't a thing. That we're just we're not gonna go in there with an arthroscope and peel that chip out of there. And he's down the road in six weeks. No, this is. This is your flipping a coin for his chances after a, probably a three to five thousand dollar surgery. So these wow. are the kinds of gambles that you're taking when you look at these horses without getting another set of of experienced eyes and hands. Just look at him. An experienced veterinarian can look at a horse uh, and tell you if he's if he's going to be serviceably sound in, in, in pretty short order. Mm-hmm. Uh, because some of these things are just that obvious. Some more subtle things are going to take a little bit more in depth evaluation. So. Uh, that that spills us into a whole other chapter of this. So well, you look at this horse, sorry, Joy. Um, so you look at this horse, you gauge whether it's sound right now. And then how, about how many times do you just kind of end it after the flexions or do most people go on to do radiographs? Well, in, in my practice, uh, probably, and I do, I do a fair number of these things. And so for the last, 35 years, I've got a couple of numbers here. And and probably half the horses that I look at 
for uh, for purchase evaluations are lame as AFC. What? Yeah, yeah. They're lame yeah. when they're getting pre-purchased. Yes, the day I see them. And and the the problem here is I don't think people are trying to cheat anybody. Not there, maybe there's some out there, but but what we got here is that most horse people, even some fairly experienced horse people, don't do a real in-depth evaluation of their horse every day. So you know, if he comes up to eat and they slap the saddle on him and jog down the road on him, he doesn't seem too bad. Then they figure everything is fine. The veterinarian is going to look at these horses in a much more critical manner. And so we look at things that your average horse person is probably not going to think to look at. I mean, some of them will, but a lot of them won't. And so we start looking at some of these even fairly subtle things, and uh, these are huge red flags. And okay. so we just, as a general rule, we stop right there. Because, I mean, we can x-ray, we can ultrasound, we can MRI. There's a ton of stuff that we can do. But the big question at the end of the day is, this ain't your horse yet. <laughs> you want to spend you want to spend your money diagnosing somebody else's problem, and I have had people do that, and I've mm-hmm. had people too. You know, spend a lot of money on a purchase exam. The horse is lame the day they see them, and they go ahead and buy them anyway, which is fine with me because I make truck payments off those horses for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, you're gonna call me back in a couple weeks anyway to do the first set of hawk injections. Yeah, that's <laughs> what god. I'm talking about. It's what we call job security. <laughs> oh. Well, Dr. Seams, I have a quick question and that's, you know, for some of the common injuries that we see with X racehorses, are there some that stick out that should be a big no? Are there some that you've seen you can work through it and it shouldn't deter people from buying the horse? The the number one reason or number one cause of of retirement, early retirement in horses of all disciplines, whether it's racehorses or roping horses, rain horses, any, any kind of discipline. Is soft tissue soft tissue injury to the distal limb that's the, that's below the knee or the hock, and so commonly we're looking at tendonitis, so deep flexure, superficial flexure tendonitis, or suspensory apparatus damage, and so those horses will typically have some swelling below the knee or the hock, and this is in the back of the limb. It's interesting that the tendon damage in the front of the limb, front or rear, uh, is really forgiving, but if you have a problem in the back of the limb below the near the hawk that that constitutes uh, some some questions there that we'll, we'll want to work through and so the ultrasound is our is definitely our friend as far as trying to figure out the level of scarring how much damage is done on the inside uh the challenge with these things is that there's a high incidence of re-injury and so if we have a superficial flexor tendon problem that's much more forgiving than a deep flexor tendon problem which is much more forgiving than a suspensory problem. And so this is another place where if we start to see something like that, and sometimes you can't see this, this without looking at an ultrasound. So but most of the time, especially in these off-the-track thoroughbreds, they'll have a little puffiness or a little just a frank scar that will indicate that, yeah, this horse had an injury and, and maybe he's worked through it, maybe he hasn't. But the problem is that the incidence of re-injury is very high. And so if, if we've got a horse with a history of suspensory desmitis or tendonitis and, and he's just planning on, on, on packing some very, very small riders, you know, in a, in a, in an arena someplace, that's going to be a lot more forgiving than the, the horse that's, that's going on for a combined training type of a career or something like that, mm-hmm. a more strenuous type of a thing. 
So part of it is trying to determine what the owner is going to want to do with the horse. And some things may be forgivable and some things just might not be depending on the, the intended career. Yes. And, and that, that also gets pretty complicated because things change. And so we may start out with this wanting something really easy and light, and we may work into something that's a bit a bit more strenuous. And and then the the intended purpose of these horses, we we do I do a fair number of roping horses out here in the West, and and it's pretty interesting if if you've got a if you've got a guy that's just learning how to ride and he's wanting to rope you know learn how to rope, that horse has got to be absolutely dead solid perfect because this guy's going to be chunking twenty thirty steers a weekend off this guy. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you've got a guy that's going to the national finals rodeo in Las Vegas here in a couple of months, this guy, he, he needs this horse to work six seconds a week. That's it. Yeah. And so this, this guy can play hurt. This guy can do a lot of things in a very, very short time because he's that caliber of horse. But right. just your, just your average, if we're, if we're limiting our discussion here at off track there, I, I think these horses have to be pretty squeaky clean, uh, for most of the disciplines that we're going to involve them in. Yeah. And, and again, the, the soft tissue stuff there is, uh, uh, is a real challenge and, and it's hard, it's hard to know, even looking at it with an ultrasound, it's hard to know which one of these is going to heal well and which one is not. Well, I, I, you know that I'm dealing with a tendon injury, not on a off the track thoroughbred but on my Mustang and we're still nursing that thing nine months later. So I'm, I'm very sensitive to that. Now question about the thoroughbred, because, you know, I will uh, just call you in the middle of the night and ask you these questions anyway, because that's, <laughs> that's what I've done in the past. Um, so my question is one of the most common things that I'm seeing in uh, the on these makeover pages and all of these things is weight gain. How? What is the best? I know this is off the the um. Not, you know, we're not talking about uh, pre purchases, but what to you is the best kind of thing for an off the track thoroughbred to put on weight? Well, you got to understand that you got a couple of different body types, and so we know that the big, big, meaty, beefy draft horses. Okay, they're never going to look like an Arabian horse or a thoroughbred horse, and so in a, in a lot of in a lot of regards, if you're if you're look, looking for a lot of rib coverage on a on a thoroughbred type and you know more of a lean endurance type of an exercising animal, you're probably not going to get the rib coverage that you're going to get on a, on a chunky old style quarter horse because of the body type. Mm-hmm. So the thing to remember is that the horse is going to lose weight first and gain weight last along their top line. And so let's don't look at their ribs, let's don't look at their belly, let's look at their top line. Basically, the best way to do this is to stand behind them and look at the top of their croup. And so if it's if it looks like if it looks like a an A, like a like rafters in a roof, those horses are too skinny. And if it looks like a big mounds of flesh that sort of looks like a big big apples on either side of their butt, then that is not muscle. Okay. <laughs> so that's kind of what that's kind of what we're looking at is we're looking at the top line. And so, basically, we're not looking at a whole bunch of fancy stuff. We're looking at making sure that we've got a parasite load under control, and you got to do that with fecal exams. Don't just throw wormers at these horses. We've got to be sure and look at their teeth, make sure you've got an equine veterinarian that likes to do teeth, and make sure that we've got those teeth under control. Typically, the thoroughbred horses on the track get a lot of dental attention, so that's probably not going to be an issue. But it's definitely the first thing we think about when we think about weight loss is going to be parasite load and, and dental, dental issues. 
And then we get into the nutritional aspect of this. And so typically when you got a horse that's more than about, oh, three or four years old, he is an adult mature horse. He's not going to need the type of nutrition that a, that a juvenile is going to need. And so now we're just talking about calories. We're not talking about a bunch of protein or a bunch of fancy supplements or anything like that. We're just talking about calories. And so, for example, if you want to lose weight, do you back off the vitamins and minerals? No, no, I would argue would back off the calories. And so same thing goes for wanting to gain weight. And so we're just looking at calories. I love free feeders, uh, the slow feeders, so that lets, lets the horse kind of nibble on something all day long. Mm-hmm. And that works on preventing the equine gastroesophageal ulcer syndrome because uh, they're, they're more like the natural condition where they're eating all the time. Sometimes hay is not going to be enough to be able to uh, to maintain enough calories. Some older horses can't assimilate enough calories in hay, so for those, we have to add concentrates. I'm a real fan of the, those products that contain feed pulp. Those are safe carbohydrates. They're not readily fermentable like a lot of uh, sugar that like would be in alfalfa and molasses or some of the sweet feeds that have a lot of a lot of molasses in there can be can be dangerous and not good for hindgut health. But the beet pulp type of products, equine senior products, those are already partially digested. They're very high in calories and they're very, very safe. You can feed those free choice to older and debilitated horses or horses that are just coming off the track. Fantastic. Well, you mentioned... Um you know, for lack of better word, just a short word, ulcers. I want to have you back on to talk about that and some of the things that horses do go through when they're on the racetrack. So if we can plan that, I would love to have you back on to come on and talk about that and kind of how we can manage that, um, in the future. So would you be happy to do that? Please. Absolutely. I always enjoy talking to you, especially when it's not two in the morning. (laughs) <laughs> so backstory i had a mare and a foal in the foal. i was having some troubles and i didn't just moved here i didn't know anybody so i called dr Stevens. anyway sorry about it and it was christmas day by the way i've also called him so um <laughs> hey listen i have irate women call me all the time and my wife is very understanding there's a lot of wives that wouldn't ha- wouldn't handle that very well <laughs> bless her heart she does she deserves a million dollars for it so well, thank you so much dr siemens we will talk to you again coming up about ulcers fantastic thanks for calling historic amounts of rainfall in oklahoma wait no oklahoma and the u.s has caused issues everywhere especially when it comes to the number of pests and protect your equine friends with casual company's full line of chemical free fly protection. The Cashel Company's Crusader Fly Mask has a patented design for maximum comfort and protection from the insects and blocks 70% of UV rays. Available in an array of styles and sizes, Cashel Company's Crusader line of fly protection is a chemical free alternative to fly sprays that can contain chemicals are expensive, and they don't last for long periods of time. The Crusader line by Cashel Company can protect your horse from head to toe. Available in fly masks, fly sheets, and fly boots. For more information on Cashel products, visit one of their nationwide authorized dealers or visit CashelCompany.com. Stay connected by following them on Facebook and Instagram. Excited to welcome back Jen Reutz, the director of the Retired Racehorse Project. Jen, you came on with us on our very first episode back in February of this year, and there's a lot that's been happening to get the makeover going. We're five months out. 
What's going on? How's the magic happening? Give us some hot tips of what to expect. Uh, I will. Before before I get into that, I just have to say, you guys are killing it with this radio show. We've had so many people contact us and tell us how much they love the show. And the content you guys are putting out is fantastic. So great job. Pat's on back for all of you. This is such a cool show. Thank you so much. Really my day. (laughs) (laughs) It's really fun to do. We're really enjoying it. Yeah. It's so great. what's new yeah. with the makeover, man? What's going on? It's coming up um, so soon. I'm freaking out. Five months, Jamie. <laughs> uh, lots is happening. Lots of things are happening. Um, we're just kind of in planning mode right now and implementation mode. I think for me, one of the most exciting things we're doing, and we've been communicating this to the competitors, but we'll do this a lot more, um, is the horse inspection. When people get to the makeover this year. Every year we've had um, arrival exams for the horses that come to the competition just to make sure they're in good weight, they're sound, and they're ready to to compete. And it's kind of, I compare it to the jog at any major equestrian competition. And so it's a little bit different for this competition because these horses aren't at that same level of competition, the stage of, of their life. But um it's something we find really important to do. So this year we're formalizing that arrival exam procedure a little bit more. And so Dr. Shannon Reed, who was actually the highest placed amateur in the dressage division previously and has competed in the makeover and been such a good advocate for us. She's also a veterinarian at the Ohio State University. She has come on board kind of as our consulting veterinarian to help us create even more formalized exam um, and arrival check-in process. So now, wait a second. Uh, when, Does that mean I have to get, like get high heels on and put on a skirt and jog my horse like I'm flying a kite down the down the jog strip? Uh, for you, yes, you will have to do that. Uh, <laughs> yes, will have to that, do that will be on our Instagram, guys. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, it's it's not that formal at all, but it's, you know, everyone at some point after they arrive, it doesn't have to be right when they arrive, but it has to be before they compete. So they, if they travel the long way, they can give their horse time to settle in and Good. just kind of decompress from being on the trailer, That's but fun. they will come to our arrival exam station and we'll have it staffed with veterinarians from Haggard Equine Medical Institute here in Lexington, who've been a great partner and Shannon will be there and a few other volunteers They'll get the horses checked in. They'll check their microchips, which is also new this year. Every horse competing needs to have a microchip, which is another way that we're just trying to elevate the status uh, quo in the thoroughbred industry. It's become very um, commonplace in all aspects of animal welfare to microchip, you know, dogs and cats and other animals in the thoroughbred industry in the last few years has kind of done the same thing. Um, The U.S. Equestrian Federation is requiring it. The uh, thoroughbred registry, the jockey club is requiring it. And so we are requiring it for this competition as well. It's just an added layer of protection for anyone's horse uh, for a variety of reasons. I must say, I just got my microchips from the jockey club. So you can just go on the jockey club and order them and they send them to you and your veterinarian puts them in. Uh So uh, it was really easy to do and it's really cheap. And, and I really, uh, I really am behind the microchipping, especially if we can stop doing the tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's so many ways that microchips can, you know, help you out in unforeseen circumstances. You know, if you think about 
when those lilac fires went on in California or when we've had, you know, flooding and hurricanes right. and horses end up just kind of loose and running any everywhere, it makes it much easier to identify a horse in, you know, an emergency situation or if, heaven forbid, a horse ends up falling through the cracks or in the wrong hands and whatnot, you know, the microchips are a fail-safe way to identify them and they're becoming so much more common you know, just about every aftercare facility, horse rescue, whatnot, has a microchip scanner. They're going to start requiring it at a lot of the auctions. So, you know, this is a great thing for anyone to have on their horses. I have them on all of mine. And, you know, it's it's definitely a trend that is positive for the industry. Absolutely. Um, great idea. But, but anyway, so when people come, they'll have, they don't have to jog their horses. It's a walking exam. The people, uh, the veterinarians and, you know, Shannon and her team will check the horse's body condition. They have to have a minimum body condition of four. In years past, it's been three. And Shannon really strongly advocated for a minimum score of four. Um, and so they will check the horses and, you know, go through that with the owners, take their temperatures, make sure they're, excuse me, not sick. Um do a soundness kind of just walking exam. So they'll have them walk in a straight line back and forth, circle each way, just make sure they're sound at the walk. Um, and if, you know, if there's any question of their soundness, you know, these horses, some of them are shipping so far, like we said, or it might be a different surface than they're used to. So we'll obviously work too with the, with the owner to make sure that they are sound for the competition they're going to be doing. You know, mm-hmm. if they're doing competitive trail and they're not as sound on, let's say, a gravel driveway right after they shipped, but, you know, they're sound on the grass after they've had a little time to stretch their legs out, you know, we'll work with them on that as well. But just to make sure that all of these horses are, you know, of sound mind, body, and spirit, basically. Abs- and so, Very done. Go ahead. I was going to say, I absolutely love that because it really goes into the message that we're trying to do with this podcast too. And, you know, what the RRP's mission is of the aftercare of these horses and to ensure that they mm-hmm. go from race fit to these quality, high quality of life at, and their second careers. And so yeah. I love that we're adding this in. Are the, Now that we're kind of halfway for competitors, is there kind of a, a checklist that they should be doing? Is there any important dates or things they should keep in mind now that we're getting close to that competition point? That is a great question. So the team, Kristen Bentley, our communications manager, and Kirsten Green and Jen Kroll, the team in the office who are in direct contact with the competitors on at least a weekly basis, sometimes daily, are always sending out updates via email. They're posting them on the competitors' uh, Facebook group to let them know as dates are coming up for deadlines and for submitting paperwork. As people are getting their horses, we're asking them to register their horses. Horses have to be registered by August. Um, And if someone registers a horse and then for whatever reason that horse changes before August, that is fine and they can go ahead and change that. But that helps us really promote the horses that are scheduled and training toward competing in this uh, thoroughbred makeover and helps us get a lot of publicity going around it and contact a lot of the connections of those horses to try to connect the racing connections and breeding connections with the people who are retraining them. So that's always a cool way to create synergy between the on-track and off-track worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, so people should keep an eye on their inbox. And then when they get those competitor emails, make sure you take note of all the dates in those emails for that kind of thing. 
Okay. Um, and another another cool thing that we're working on this year, a lot of the horses that compete in the makeover are for sale. And a lot of people are hoping to have their horse sold either after the makeover or, you know, in that six months after the makeover, after their full competition year ends. Um, and some of these horses are from for adoption from adoption facilities as well. And so the ASPCA partners with us to put on the makeover marketplace. And so this year we are promoting that a whole lot more and a whole lot earlier than we ever have before. So we are putting promotions out there in uh, areas and media and venues where equestrians will hopefully see them. So advertisements in publications and on websites and things like that for people to sign up to receive the sale catalog in the mail. And that's something that's new this year. Up until now, we've always just had a printed sale catalog on the, the grounds of the makeover. But now if people are even considering buying a horse sometime this year, they can request to receive that catalog in the mail and we'll send it out uh, about a month to two months out from the makeover so they can start looking at the hundreds of horses that are entered for sale and makeover and basically make themselves a short list before they come to the makeover. Because where else in the U.S., if not the world, can you see literally hundreds of properly restarted horses in their first year of showing that have loads of potential for the show ring all in one place, you know? Absolutely. So that's something really cool. Yeah. I've been actually, I have a couple of friends who are kind of in the market for a new thoroughbred and I sent them over to your website because you also have it kind of a running list going of different horses and there really is horses of all levels at different prices. So there really is a horse for everyone through your program. And I just think that's a really amazing thing that you guys do. And speaking of your magazine, didn't you guys just win a major award? We did. Thank you for mentioning that. Yes. Award at the American Horse Publications Annual Convention. We won the general excellence for the category of um, association publications of a circulation of 15,000 or less. And there were a lot of really good publications in that category. And what's more, we are very new in that category. We our magazine is only several years old to begin with. It, it began, I believe, in 2015. Um, mm -hmm. And so we haven't even been in that category since 2015. We just got to the point where we, we felt confident even entering something like that. So to be chosen and win over so many incredible publications that are so well done is huge. And it's a massive thanks to the team at The Horse who publishes that magazine for us. And our team at the Retired Racehorse Project, Kristen Bentley is our current communications manager. And Aaron Hardy was our communications manager last year. And we have so many writers that freelance and contribute articles to that publication. So it, I mean, it's huge. I'm so yeah. excited for them and thankful for them for all their hard work. And it's definitely something that we're, we're very proud of. And we hope people enjoy the publication and continue to. Wow. A thousand congratulations on that. And I mean, what a testament to how great this organization is and the work that it's doing. I mean, thoroughbreds are a hot topic right now and they're hot in the market. And a lot of it is due to what the Retired Racehorse Project has done over the years. So you guys definitely deserve that award. Congratulations. Well, thank you. We, we definitely try to do our part, but it's, I mean, you guys know just as well as I do, it's such a collaborative effort. You know, it's, it's people like you guys putting on 
such a like content heavy, interesting, fun radio show that's all about thoroughbreds. And it's putting out publications that are about, you know, thoroughbreds and sport that kind of can serve as a user's guide and competitions, whether it's our competition or the tip, you know, competitions, new vocations, those big shows, mid Atlanta course for us, you just got done with their big show. There's, there's so much stuff going on for thoroughbreds and it's a team effort because it's everything from those big, more visible efforts to individuals who get these horses off at the track and they put, you know, their experiences and these positive stories about them on social media that then catch someone else's eye and they might start considering a thoroughbred because someone else has shared their positive story. So it's, it's a team effort, not just the RRP team and not even just all these organizations, but it's everyone who advocates for these animals is doing their part to make this movement happen. And the movement is definitely happening. So, well, and you did a fabulous job and you did a fabulous job and you worked very hard at the Land Rover. I mean, you were doing demos everywhere with everybody. And I mean, I learned a lot about kind of, well, watching the RRP demo, the thoroughbred makeover demo in the Walnut ring with Elisa Wallace and Rosie Napravnik and, and to have like Dorothy talking and Kathy talking, we shop. It was just, so educational and then i came home to mine and i'm like oh my god i have so much work to do because elisa was like jumping freaking oxers with her makeover horse i'm like oh god okay time to jump Groot. <laughs> so yeah. it definitely was fun to watch and really educational and you've done a great job with that so i appreciated well, all the hard work you did thank you yeah but if you, even if you talk to elisa like not every horse comes along as quickly as another. So it's definitely all about every horse's journey, obviously physically, but people can never discount the mental aspect. You know, some of them need no. more just foundation of flat work or foundation of just human interaction in a different way than they've previously experienced before well, they start that kind of stuff. To be fair, Elisa Wallace is like superwoman too. So she makes yeah. everybody look good. <laughs> She's ridiculously. Yeah. She actually, <laughs> she so she, you know, she won the makeover last year. She's competed at Land Rover and all over the world. And so this year she also took all of um, like the RRP followers and friends. We had her do a course walk that was um, presented by RRP and she had probably 150, if not 200 people go on wow. this course walk with her. She walked the entire cross country course the day before they did cross country at Land Rover with this group of people and they walked it from the perspective of preparing to ride a thoroughbred because as she told them as we that ride thoroughbreds know riding a thoroughbred on a cross country course over a jumper course, you know, doing anything, it's just a different ride than if you're riding a different breed with a different, you know, usual mentality, they're a more forward horse and they're just a different type of approach to a cross country course. So it was really cool for her to do a course walk and usually a course walks like a third of the course or maybe a half of the course. She did the entire course yeah, and she... talked to them about when I'm riding a thoroughbred on this, this is how I would approach this jump. And yeah, she if a horse is young, unique you probably want to take this approach. 
Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, so Jen, cool. retiredracehorseproject.org is the website. You are the person who's kind of in charge and people can find you <laughs> on there as well. So I know you have a great staff and a great bunch of uh, volunteers, and we're going to be giving you guys some information about opportunities to volunteer as well. Yeah. And again, retiredracehorseproject.org. Jen Roy's director, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone who's doing their part to make the cool factor come back with the thoroughbreds. It's such a neat movement to be part of. Oh, thanks for all your support in it too, Jen. And hopefully we'll get you back on a couple weeks before the makeover if you have time. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Well, welcome back to another equestrian must-haves with Riding Warehouse owned Sonia. I think you have some amazing products that will protect our noggins. Tell us about them. Yeah, definitely. So today in the spirit of safety, we wanted to touch on head protection, which I personally think is applicable for any discipline. And there's so many new helmets coming out, many of them as beautiful as ever. But what we really want to get into today, today is exactly how safe are they. So I'm going to tell you about some of the safest helmets we carry. So first up, let's talk about Trauma Void. For us, this brand will always be particularly impressive because they were actually the first to come out with riding helmets that feature MIPS technology. And MIPS has actually been in bike helmets and motorcycle helmets for quite some time now. And basically what it does is it reduces rotational force during the fall. And only helmets with MIPS technology can do this. So last year they came out with the original EQ3, which is great if you have a round head. But now they just came out with the links, which accommodates those oval heads too. So I love, about that. love, love, love that they listen to their buyer's feedback for that. I mean, that tells you it's a company who really trusts what their customers are looking for. Yeah, definitely. So we have a lot of respect for them for that reason alone. Next up, we do have to talk about Charles Owen, a classic name for safety. And Charles Owen actually came out recently with their own line of Nets Helmets too. And those are actually going to be live on our site within the next couple of days. So we're really excited about the Skullcap model in particular for the inventors out there. And this will be the only Skullcap featuring MIPS technology on the market. So we're just so excited that another brand is bringing in MIPS helmets too. Very cool. That's definitely exciting. What else do we got? I mean, I'm like racking up my shopping cart right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to save the best for last, in my opinion. And I think that's champion helmets. I will preface things by saying that these are expensive and honestly, compared to your sand shields, you know, things of those nature, they're not the most attractive helmets. But I can say that no other brand comes close to them in safety and arguably comfort. So Champion is actually a UK brand and they hold about 40% of the market out there right up with Charles Owen. And all their helmets are certified by Snell. That's S-N-E-L-L. And they're only one of four riding helmets in the world to have this. Do some research on Snell versus the ASTM and SEI certifications. You'll see that Snell honestly puts the ASTM to a little bit of shame, and all of this has to do with how they're testing those helmets. Oh my gosh! I mean, I've seen the champion helmets. I watch like a lot of the YouTube channels, and you see a lot of the riders with champion helmets. And I actually watched one today. I was like, I've never heard of that brand. So to know that it has like this safety aspect, and personally, I do think they're kind of attractive, but. I guess that's just my opinion, <laughs> but the fact that they're probably one of the safe, like most safe helmets out there, that's another win-win right there. Yeah, definitely. And we're actually super excited to announce that this week only, they're 15% off. 
So if you're looking for a helmet that blows it out of the park in terms of safety, now is the time to try. I convinced my mom to buy one. So, you know, um, we've also got some great articles on our blog talking about both NIPS technology with those trauma boys and Charles Owen, and then plus more on the Snell certifications with Champion Helmet. So if you're curious, go ahead and check it out. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Sonia. Remember, guys, check out all of these helmets plus all your other favorite brands at www.ridingwarehouse.com. So excited because we have our hashtag my OTTB story giveaway winner, Amy Lent, with us today. And we had asked that we have our listeners submit their transformation stories of their thoroughbreds into their second careers. And we're so grateful for our guest judges, Lainey Ashker and Kyle Rolfus for picking Amy to tell us your story. So Amy, you have an amazing mare named Delightfully. Tell us your OTTB story. story. (laughs) Well, she was originally at Second Stride um, and was adopted out. It didn't work out as their horses were being very bully to her um Mm. and she ended up with this large wound in her hip that we can't figure out what she impaled herself on um so they second stride contacted me because they knew i took in horses that a lot of people won't and they said she needed a special home so i told them fine we picked her up a couple days later and it that wound was definitely a large one. You could actually put your whole hand into it. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And so we brought her home. We had to flush it out and keep going with that. But she proved to be such an amazing horse that I didn't even put a halter on. She'd just be eating her grain. And we would clean her wound. I'd scrub it out and take pipettes to actually flush to keep it so it didn't get an infection. Mm. And so that's when I decided that we would do the makeover, even though we knew it was going to be months before she could do anything. Okay. Uh, Pause, 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 pause. So there's this horse who has an open wound and you Mm -hmm. thought, I'm going to bring it home. Yep. And then I'm going to do the makeover. Yeah. Not many people would do that, Amy. I take a lot that most people don't. And I knew she had a chip in her knee as well from the racetrack. That's what stopped her racing. Um, And so I know she's not going to jump unless I have surgery done on it. But she's sound, so I'm not going to do that to her. Mm, Okay. So is your background in jumping then? I've done a little bit of everything. I grew up in Pennsylvania doing 4-H and I did saddle seat with an Arab. I ran high school rodeo with a quarter horse. And then I um, did hunter jumpers with a pony and some thoroughbred. Okay. So you really have been around the block with all of the disciplines. That's amazing. That's a nice, well-rounded way to do it. But you took delightfully on a different path. You experimented with driving, which we don't really hear a lot of thoroughbreds driving. Right. Yeah. I, I love driving. I've done that since I was young too. Um, mostly just pleasure driving stuff with like uh, some, I had an appy and I've driven some draft horses, but in 2015, I took another thoroughbred to the makeover doing driving as well. And I love showing people that they can do it. Yeah. They, I think it is just an amazing experience at the makeover because it is so versatile 
And I love mm-hmm. that you're showcasing that they can do all the unique things. They're not just in uh, English and just eventing. They can do anything and everything. Yes, they can. So tell us a little bit about what she's doing today. Right now, actually, she's got a full buyer side. Um, oh. Once it's weaned, uh, she'll be back to doing trail and driving. I love it. Well, I'm glad you were able to keep her and giving her the best years of her life. And thank you so much for taking in those horses that most people would seem like, oh, no, I can't do that because there aren't a lot of people like you. And we can see why our judges picked you for this contest. So thank you for sharing your story with us today. No problem. Well, Jamie, I don't know about you, but I have gotten a thousand compliments, just slightly exaggerated because there's not a thousand people in my barn, but... I love my smooth stride jeans and other people are loving them too. They do grab people's attention because they're so unique looking. They're so uh, savvy for horse people. They're a nice boot cut fit. And they also have that cell phone pocket on the front. But I found out something else. What's that, Jamie? Do you know where they're made? They're made in LA. They're like made in the USA. Right in Los Angeles, which is right by where Desiree lives, who owns the company. It is a horse chick who rides an off-the-track thoroughbred who owns this gene company, smoothstride.com. There is no reason to not go out and get a pair of these jeans. They're, they have no inseams. They're super comfortable, and they're designed for horse chicks. You wear, Do you ride in yours or just wear yours around the barn or kind of some of both? I do it all. I also do my, my regular errands and grocery shop and stuff in them as well. <laughs> but you know yeah. what I love most right now, Jamie? So, you know, in Michigan, we have always extreme weather. It's never like this happy medium. Well, it's hot and humid right now. Mm-hmm. And I am not sweating in these. Like really? most jeans start to stick to your legs when you wear them. Mm-hmm. Not these. It's been amazing. Like I'm cool. I'm comfortable. I'm happy. And I just have better rides because I'm not uncomfortable in the saddle. It's amazing. Yeah, check him out at smoothstride.com. And now it's time for the new vocations Winner Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. time for our new vocations winner's circle adoptable horse of the week you can go and find this horse on horseadoption.com his name is Aldby park and i would like to welcome leandra hey leandra hello and sarah hi sarah hello thanks y'all for coming on who's gonna tell us about Aldby park Aldby park who we call parker here at the barn also a reference to our love of the superhero trend in movies. So he's our Peter Parker. Peter Parker. Uh, I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, naturally. But he is who I like to call the sweetheart of the barn. So mm-hmm. at three years old, he is, so he's a street fence baby and he could not be any nicer even when we had, we had him in training when we had our open barn barbecue event and Parker was one of the horses who just soaked it all up like a sponge. He just hung his head out of the stall, ready to greet anybody who would say hi to him. Other than just his personality with people, love my dog Rambo, who is one of the residents in the barn. And then uh, in turnout, he could not be an easier partner. We could put him out with anyone, and we have put him out with horses who are difficult 
to place in a group where they might be a bully or they might be really submissive and either way navigates it really gracefully. So we love him to death for that. But then even under saddle, you really don't get many horses like him because we could put a kid on him and feel like he would take care of them and not be naughty in any sort of way. But he can also perform when needed. He can get that little extra punch and really stretch underneath himself and is just brave anywhere you put him, indoors, outdoors packing around the property. We hacked him over a little creek in one of our backfields the other day. And he was actually the mount that we put uh, our program director, Anna Ford, on. And we both know I couldn't put her on anything we could possibly harm her because we don't want anything bad to happen to her. So she rode Parker and it was fantastic so so let me get this you can tell i don't have anything nice to say (laughs) let me get this straight this is a 16 hand sound bay gelding who is in the prime of like ready to get started on a career he was born in 2016 so he's just a three-year-old like sponge he's been around tons of people he's by street sense who is a ridiculously nice sire and you're telling (laughs) me that he's super calm and quiet and like ready to go and 50% He's off. A package. Okay, I'm going to adopt him. He's $500 <laughs> is the adoption fee right now. Just until the end of June. <laughs> until the end of June. There's a timeline on that one. All the <laughs> park. You guys go look at him. He is a really pretty bay with three white feet and a nice little star. And he is put together very well. Well, awesome, Leandra. I think that um, I don't think he's going to be around much longer. So uh, we've had some good luck on this. Everybody go check him out at new vo- uh, horseadoption.com. New vocations. Aldby Park is the name of the horse. And then before we let you guys go, Sarah, you guys are asking for a call to action to win a new trailer. Is that right? That is correct. So we try very hard to highlight what we consider our success stories, which are any person who has adopted a horse from new vocations who loves their horse, which of course is always our, our goal. Uh, We are asking for them to send in their story, whether it's a show horse, a trail horse, a beloved pasture puff, Uh, about why they love their horse, and we would like to highlight them as successful adoptions. So the contest that you had mentioned is through the Right Horse Initiative, which if anybody is unfamiliar with that, they're an amazing, amazing organization. Their tagline alone should tell you how awesome they are, and it is good people for good horses. So they're working very, very diligently to kind of change the stigma around adoption, uh, and they're working to basically massively increase the successful horse adoptions across the U.S. Uh, They work with a lot of different both adoption organizations like New Vocations as well as Rescues, and it's non-breed specific, non-discipline specific. They really are just trying to say, you know, these horses are not, they're not unwanted, they're in transition. So they're trying very hard to kind of reframe adoption. So to help kind of uh, spark interest, they have started what's called the road show. And it's uh, fantastically beautiful. I think it's a four horse slant load and it has a truck. It's completely wrapped. It says the right horse and their tagline all over it. It's absolutely beautiful. Their website is the right horse.org. If you guys want to check it out, uh, but it is a contest. So every organization that's a partner has the ability to do things like 
speak on podcasts, public speaking, every Facebook post we post about them, things like that garner us points toward this truck and trailer. So I selfishly am asking for our success stories for multiple reasons. Uh, We are launching a new website, hopefully soon. And I also, my big dream one day is to publish a book of these success stories, maybe on like our 30th anniversary or something like that. Um, So we're asking just for anybody to email me. My email is Sarah at horseadoption.com. Find us on Facebook and tell us their story about why they love their new vocations grad. I love it. And we'll make sure to share on our Facebook page as well. So all our listeners have easy access to it. And I am looking at this truck and trailer. It is beautiful. I would want to drive that too. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Make sure to check out all the available horses at horseadoption.com. And then if you have adopted a horse or are looking at doing so, make sure to check out the right horse. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram and make sure to send your success stories to Sarah at horseadoption.com. Thanks again, guys. You can find our show notes and links to today's guest on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram, just search for Retired Racehorse Radio and follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. You can get in touch with us. I'm Jamie at horseradionetwork.com. You can email joy, joy at horseradionetwork.com, or you can follow her on Instagram, joy. H Equestrian. And I want to thank our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Riding Warehouse, Smooth Stride Jeans, and Cashel. And please don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Don't forget to love and learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. <laughs> <laughs>